Well, welcome to Break Away from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Bryce Stewart. Bryce was a sixth grade public school teacher. He's been doing that for nine years. And uh, he and his wife eventually decided to have kids as they normally do. And he quickly realized that he would need a source of income that would actually grow with his, uh, that didn't have a ceiling basically. And obviously teaching has a definite ceiling. Uh, so he wanted to have a different source of income. And uh, he decided to do house hacking and, uh, and able to create kind of like a side income. His wife was eventually able to, to quit her W-2 job. And eventually Bryce also was able to quit his teaching job. And uh, now they're focusing full-time on entrepreneurship and real estate investment. And today they own 38 units in uh, Bethlehem, uh, Pennsylvania. And he also wrote a book uh, called House Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy. Correct. And uh, so he's going to talk about that. Bryce, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to hopefully give value to your listeners. I think we have some, I have some great lessons and some good tools that I can point them towards that I think will help them on their journey to financial independence. Yes, that sounds very good. Uh, let's talk about your journey. Obviously, I'd give like a, a quick synopsis here of where you were and how you made the transition. Uh, and some of these transition, I, I know when we, when I read them, I mean, it's for most people, it seems like a big, big step to quit your W-2 job, the security and safety that you get from getting a W-2 job. So tell us about your journey and kind of how this transition occurred. Sure. Actually, we, we started in the worst possible position I think you could start in. Um, my, I graduated college in 2002. Uh, my wife graduated uh, a few years later. Um, and we were, I'll start you in, uh, with our, our moment of dire crisis. We, when we were first married, purchased a one bedroom luxury condominium uh, that had just been built. It was a new build. Yeah. And so we paid a very high price for it in 2006. So it, uh, if your listeners don't know, in 2006 values were, were fairly elevated. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that- Or, or tax, unfair, unfairly, unfairly elevated. Unfairly, right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we, it was fine for the two of us when we moved into it because we were both young, we had just gotten married and we were both working jobs. And I have to be honest with you, I never did any of the math going into it about how much does this place cost us to actually live here every month. And so it wasn't until uh, we got pregnant in 2008 that I and realized we wouldn't be able to stay in the one bedroom luxury condominium. You know, we, we felt like we would need more space. That's when I started doing the math. And I realized a couple things that were terrible. One, the market was falling and we couldn't sell our condo for anywhere close to what we owed on it. Yeah. So to give you an idea, we owed about $150,000 and similar units were selling for $90,000. Oh. So we were completely underwater. That's what that's called. Yeah. On it. And mm -hmm. then I started doing the math too of what it cost us to own the place every month. And when I added it all up, uh, you know, mortgage, uh, interest, taxes, insurance, and then uh, it was a condo. So HOA fees, our mm -hmm. total was $1,400 per month. And even if we rented it out, the, the going uh, value for rents in even high-end one bedrooms was 1100 So we were going to be losing $300 a month 
or be completely underwater or go or foreclose. So yeah. for someone who's a real estate investor at this point, you know, we did not have very uh, good beginnings. It was it started <laughs> in the hole and we were in, we were in serious trouble. Yeah. Um, we ended up doing exactly what it described. We found a renter at $1,100. So we were losing $300 per month at the same time that we were adding an, another mouth to feed and potentially yeah. reducing my wife's uh, ability to, to, to keep hours at her job. Yeah. Um, and so we rented a, an apartment ourselves. We became renters and then we simultaneously became landlords mm -hmm. uh, for the place that we're moving out of. And so we rented a, a second floor, I'm sorry, a two bedroom, third floor walk up in the downtown area. And four months, five months after my daughter was born, my first daughter was born, I came home from work. I finished work. I walked up the stairs and I walk into the third floor apartment and I see my wife in the middle of the living room floor, uh, crying her eyes out. Uh. My newborn daughter in the crib, uh, crying her eyes out. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I freaked out. I said, what's the matter? What's going on? What's the, what's the matter? Are you okay? And my wife said, I'm pregnant again. Oh, and so uh, that was when I realized I really needed to become a student of the game of finances because here we were losing already losing $300 per month. And now we were looking at adding another mouth to feed my wife's job was going to be completely uh, eliminated, we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have any salary income from her and I was going to have four mouths to feed while yeah. I was losing uh, $300 a month. Yeah, I uh, know. So talk about <laughs> on a teacher's talk, salary. Yeah, on a teacher's salary. So, you know, they tell a joke, they say, uh, what's the difference between uh, a large pizza and a school teacher? <laughs> and it's that a large pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I experienced that in real time. And, you know, I was yeah. panicked. We were already um, underwater on the condo. We were renting. Uh, and uh, I was looking at adding another baby. So uh, now let me take you back in time a little bit. So that was 2008, 2009. Uh, when I had just graduated college in 2003, I was working. This is before I met my wife. I worked at an insurance company. And I was still living in my parents' house. It was right after college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, had a, I had school debt and I had an auto loan. And so I couldn't afford my own apartment because I had to make those payments. And, yeah. and that was, it was too much. So my dad, I lived in my high school bedroom. And my dad was the kind of guy who said, hey, you have a job. You have a college degree. If you're still living here, you're going to pay uh, rent. Uh -huh. So I was paying $300 a month in rent to my dad. Uh, and my mom. And uh, I was a little bit embarrassed about that because here I was yeah. 23. And okay. So I'm working at this company and I meet another 23 year old, same age as me. And he asked me where I live. And I kind of sheepishly say, you know, I'm still crashing with my parents. And I ask him, where does he live? And he says he and his college roommate bought a four unit apartment building in Norristown, which is just outside of Philadelphia. And mm -hmm. they, and each unit is, is two bedrooms. So they roomed together in one of the units and then they rented the other three apartments out. Oh, wow. And Eric, I had never heard of anything like that in my life before <laughs> when I was 23 yeah. years old. I don't yeah. know if I wasn't paying attention, but it wasn't in my school curriculum in high uh, school that's for sure. or in yeah. college. 
Uh, my parents, I love my parents. They're both, uh, they were, they're both hard workers and responsible with money, but they were not entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So, and they were not real estate investors. So I wasn't yeah. going to get it from them. Yeah. And it's funny too. I grew up in suburbia and I went to a four year uh, dormitory college. So yeah. I had never even rented an apartment myself. I didn't even understand. I thought I, the only apartments I knew of were uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, lived in an apartment <laughs> and Joey and Chandler on Friends yeah. uh, lived in an apartment. <laughs> So when this guy said that he owned an apartment building, I didn't believe him even. I said, yeah, yeah. what do you mean you own it? I didn't think of an individual person could own an apartment building. Wow. And uh, yeah. he said, no, we own it. It's ours. And so I asked him, well, what's, you know, isn't the mortgage really high every month? He said, well, it's not low, but we use the rents we get from the other three apartments to pay the mortgage every month. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, what isn't there real estate taxes or insurance? He said, yeah, we, we, we use the rents from the other three units and that's how we pay the, uh, you know, t- uh, taxes and insurance. And so I'm like, there's gotta be some, I'm trying to poke <laughs> holes in this guy's yeah, 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 yeah. I say, well, yeah. what about like, uh, I bet the water bill is really high or the electric bill, you know, or the heating bill, uh, or the cable. And he says, well, actually each of the units, they each have their own account and meter with the utility mm-hmm. company. You know, we don't, that we're not responsible for their usage he said but to be honest with you we pay our utility bill with the the money we get from the other three rents yeah. and so my mind just exploded <laughs> and i said i said i'm paying you're living there for free yeah i'm paying 300 dollars a month to live in my thinking high school bedroom and here <laughs> you are telling me that you're you're living there for free and he said actually it's better than that we we get 200 dollars a month in spending money that goes right into our pockets <laughs> And Eric, I kid you not, I was I was upset, I was angry <laughs> that that you you didn't figure it out that I didn't know. Yeah, well, just yeah. that no one had told me to do that. You know, I had mm-hmm. I went to a good school, I graduated magna cum laude, yeah. I had gotten good grades in high school and in college, and nobody had ever told me before that you can make money from something besides your W two job. Yeah, yeah. So it, I was angry, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I yeah, was schools, also schools are designed. They're designed to for to feed uh, employees, feed companies employees. That's yeah. what they're designed for. They're designed to for a job, a specific job that you're going to work. You're going to get a W two job. They're not there to even the entrepreneurship programs that they talk about. It's really about working for somebody else that's going to be the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so it, it, MBAs, MBA is the same thing. Is if you want to be an administrator, director, VP, and stuff like that, they move up. You know, this is, it's going to be a W-2 job. Yeah, it's going to be highly paid, but it's going to be a W-2 job nonetheless. Yeah. So, and as a teacher, you know, I had all that debt yeah. and was working at W-2 yeah. and there was just mm-hmm. no, not even any, there's no year-end bonuses. There's no commissions when you're a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love teachers. It's a great job, but I didn't have it. So yeah. that paints a picture for you. Okay. That was when I first graduated college and that guy, I asked him, I said, who, who taught you how to do this? How mm-hmm. did you know that you could buy something like this. And he brought in a book for me the next day to work called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by <laughs> yeah. Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. And uh, I devoured the book in maybe a day or a day and a half. I read it quickly. And I told yeah. myself, I promised myself, if I ever get the chance to do something like that, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, fast forward back to my wife and I, uh, you know, have an infant daughter and a 
pregnant, uh, my wife's pregnant with our second. And, and I realized at that time, okay, I need to figure out some way that I can use our housing situation to begin to supplement our income like this guy had done uh, that I knew when, when I was just yeah, out of yeah. college. So I, uh, the, the next day I pulled up to a red light. I saw a for sale sign on a, a house that looked like a duplex to me. It had two mailboxes and two electric meters. I called the listing agent. I asked if I could go and see it. Uh, I convinced my wife who did not want to go see it. Uh, she, she actually, when I brought it up to her, she said, are you crazy? We already, uh, we already can't afford the one house that we do own. And now you want to <laughs> buy another one. Exactly. And, um, so, uh, we went and here's the thing, that place that we saw, it was terrible. It, it was the tenants, uh, had cats, they, they were smoking cigarettes. It smelled awful. It was terrible, but it got us on an automatic email list for that listing agent who showed it to us so that we started getting emails of all the multifamily uh, places that came on the market. And a couple of weeks later, we got an email of a duplex that was really uh, looked from the pictures, very nice. Yeah. And um, we went to go see it and it was honestly, it was gorgeous. The guy who uh, was selling it had gutted it and renovated it. And the best part for us was, uh, I'll give you the numbers for your listeners too. The, the principal interest taxes and insurance, which mm -hmm. are the generally the fixed costs of home ownership, yeah. it, it totaled $1,200 per month, but it was a top bottom duplex. So we could live on the top two floors. It was like yeah. a three bedroom apartment. And then the first floor, separate entrance, separate locks, separate, you know, everything. Um, that was, they were paying $600 a month in rent. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that meant that we could live there for only $600. 600, yeah. Yeah, which was cheaper than what we were paying in rent at the, yeah. the, the, play, the current place that we were. Mm -hmm. So we went through with it. Uh, we used what's called an FHA loan. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. To purchase as owner occupants. That, that's a very small down payment, which was all I could afford, yeah. was a small yeah. down payment as a teacher. And mm -hmm. that was our first real entree into, I'll say, profitable. Uh, real estate mm -hmm. investing because our first purchase was decidedly unprofitable <laughs> and uh, and it, it you know what it taught us a lot of great things uh one it taught us the power of real estate as a tool for uh financial independence and for supplementing your income i didn't write i didn't quit my teaching job right away you know that that purchase yeah. just helped us to keep our noses above water mm -hmm. uh, but also we learned how to be landlords uh, mm -hmm. We learned how, uh, uh, in some ways how the financing game works. We learned yeah. how to tenants. I learned how to, you know, when we bought it, I could barely hang a picture. So I learned how to do some, um, some yeah. handyman kind of work. And uh, so that was our first uh, purchase. And that taught me how to quantify a real estate purchase for what its fixed costs were going to be. And then how to figure out, you know, what the revenues versus the costs would be and see if it could be profitable, mm. uh, you know, down the road. Yeah. I think this is, this is very important. And this is one thing that I, I, I see and that uh, you've talked about is kind of like do the math, like really figure out how much does it cost uh, to me? Like the, the American dream is, you know, as is about kind of like owning your own home and all of that. But sometimes it doesn't make sense to own your own home. It's, it's cost more money, 
uh, I, you know, I live in California. I've lived in California for 20 years. And uh, I can see young people that are trying to uh, start a family. They want to buy a home and they're accumulating like $300,000 down payment. And then when they have the $300,000 down payment, they try to go and buy the house and say, no, you need like $400,000 now because the price went up. Right. So, okay, then they save $400,000 and then they, they go back and say, okay, now we want to buy it. Now you need $475,000. I said, okay, well, you know, and just like right. they just keep chasing this, uh, this thing. And uh, when I did, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier that, uh, you know, I sold my my house and the cost of my uh, owning my my house with the property taxes, with the insurance and stuff like that was like six thousand uh, dollars a month. That's how much it was. And I was able to uh, and it was seventeen hundred square foot four bedroom house in uh, in California, in San Francisco Bay Area. And then I decided to say, okay, well, I did the math. I looked at the math and say, but look, I can, I can rent this house, a 2,200 square foot house with a view, with this, with an updated kitchen, with all of that kind of stuff. And um, it was $6,000 a month in rent. And I didn't have to, you know, pay anything i didn't have to do any renovations anything like that right so it's just like it's a better house a view all of that and um, so that's kind of how how we moved out of that and then i was able to take that equity that i had in my in my house and then invest it in real estate because i had already started to invest in real estate and i was looking for ways to get that equity to work for me yeah so there's a lot of people who maybe are in um similar situation to you i would say if you if you um if you are in a spot where you feel like like after you said you do the math and it doesn't make sense to invest in your primary residence um, it may be smart to rent as long as you have another vehicle it doesn't even have to necessarily be real estate but another vehicle that's going to begin producing income or growing and inflating along with it so that you aren't just a perpetual renter who's uh, stuck in the W-2 rat race. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like what you said too, that you use the equity to buy real estate in perhaps a better cash flowing uh, market. Well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what what I did. I bought a couple of apartment buildings in downtown Memphis, midtown Memphis, and that the rent from that down payment, from the, the money that the equity that I got out of the house, paid for my monthly rent of the new house that we were renting. Yep. So I was basically living for free. So I just quit my job right there and then. And uh, because, that, you know, my, my, all my living expenses were covered at that point. Yeah. So, so, so don't, don't fall, like, let's let, do the math. I mean, some other areas is different. Obviously, I'm talking about the Bay Area, which is the prices are just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, it might be a, a little bit different. I know that, you know, in Tennessee, it's probably better to, uh, it's cheap, a little cheaper to buy a house than to rent a house. Yeah, um, so, although yeah. almost every market is up. Uh, mm-hmm. That's double, right. Double digits over yeah. a year ago. It's insane. But yeah. I'll say this too, you know, some people in California, because I've, I've coached and talked to a number of uh, California investors, and sometimes they don't want to sell, they like where they are, or maybe their kids are in school or something, but that doesn't mean that you're stuck. Uh, there's yes. plenty of California homeowners who have tapped the equity in their home uh, in the form yeah. of home equity line of credit, uh, 
yeah. then use the HELOC to invest in yeah. other cash flowing markets. That's true. Yeah, and, uh, that's true. And I had done that initially. So I took some line of credit up that I maxed out on the line of credit. But then at one point, then you kind of, okay, so this is, okay, this is doing well. This is like the, the real estate side is doing well. I'm making money. Just like, let's take the next jump. You know, there was bigger things. I knew it was bigger things uh, coming yeah. down. So. so sometimes that's where people land. You know, the good thing about a HELOC yeah. is it's going to be very cheap, especially again, uh, when your primary residence is the collateral. Yeah. That tends to be the cheapest way to borrow money and you get the most favorable financing terms. You know, when I was teaching, I didn't have access necessarily to a lot of cash or a mm -hmm. lot of cash flow. And so I had to use the, best available uh, financing options for me. Yeah. And the way that we did it, you know, we bought for three and a half percent down payment mm -hmm. on a $175,000 duplex in 2008. Now here's the thing, Th that kind of a down payment is really only gonna be available when you're an owner occupant. An FHA is only available to yeah. owner occupant. So yeah. If I had needed to, to save up, like you were saying before, if I had needed to save up a 20% down payment mm -hmm. for a $175,000 duplex, that's $35,000 and forget it. I didn't have it. It would have taken yeah. me a decade to yeah. save up that amount of money. Yeah. But what the, the good thing about being an owner occupant and ha house hacking is that you can use a gov the government subsidized FHA program, mm -hmm. which provides you a very small cost of acquisition and you're gaining control of what is functionally an investment grade asset. Yeah. Uh, that you can, you know, I knew when we bought it, we're not going to live here forever. Yeah. And um, so we, we were able to move into it with a very low cost of acquisition. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think we spent $8,000 to close. And immediately upon closing, we controlled a $175,000 asset, mm -hmm. which means yeah. that all of the inflation on that asset. Uh, came to us as the you know controlling owners. All of the cash flow came to us. So that's a, an important thing I want to um, point out to your listeners. Some people, because their W two is maybe very highly uh, compensated, they yeah. can gradually build maybe a, a portfolio of uh, index funds or of passive investments, and they you know they're able to save maybe 50, 60, 70 percent of their W two income and and put it into that. Yeah. But a lot of people, that would take them 35 years and they'll spend the best and the golden years of their, of their life trying to accumulate enough assets to pay for their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a good shortcut uh, is if you can gain control of a large asset, uh, whether it's real estate or a business of some kind, uh, a leveraged yep. asset, then you are gaining from the appreciation on that asset and from the cash flow that the asset produces. Yep. And so for, for my money, an FHA loan is one of the best ways out there to gain a large asset for a very small cost of acquisition and very favorable uh, interest rates and, and mm -hmm. um, uh, attendant fees. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's a great way to get started, uh, definitely. And real estate is the key to real estate, and why it's so so great is leverage. So if you do FHA loan and you have to put only five percent down, so you're maximizing leverage is always the ideal way to maximize your return. And yeah, you control a bigger asset. The big asset is appreciating, uh, especially over the last uh, year or so. Uh, it's been appreciating double digit and 
just about every market that I know. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a great year for people that owned real estate. Yes. Uh, so I think this is very important. The other thing too is that so rich dad poor dad I think it's a, it's a great book. It's inspiring and all of that, but they don't tell you how to do this like they don't no. they say yeah just go and and do it and uh, yeah. do real estate but they don't tell you how to do it and no you're right it's not very granular yeah and uh that's true but i think you need it's funny i think for most people until they have the thirty thousand foot uh airplane view of yeah. what's possible a lot of times they don't have the patience for the granular details yeah, or they don't see why they should invest in maybe more ground level expertise because they're not seeing the the big picture. So you're right. Yeah. Me, That's a uh, good point. Poor dad. It was just a. Remember, I came into it only on only thinking that uh, you could make money from your your W two job. Oh yeah. And so that was the, the the framework that had to break open for me first was that. Yeah. And then, of course, a lot of the details, you know, they're going to differ per market, per property, per, uh, you know, borrower. So you really can't give too many specifics. Now, in my yeah. book, I, I do give a little bit more granular uh, details on how we did it, because I think it's important. Yeah. And I was yeah. only really shooting for one uh, sector in this book for mm -hmm. how to do that. And, yeah. uh, but that's because and one, and one strategy right the, the house hacking strategy really that, yeah. is that is that the focus yeah mm -hmm. i think so because it's a great starter it is yeah. yeah for someone who maybe is not making a, a bundle of money in their, yeah. you know, their w2 so and for us that that worked out really well it taught me to play the cash flow game um mm -hmm. you know, a year later we uh, maybe a year and a half later we refinanced out of an FHA loan and into a conventional loan. We had mm -hmm. uh, gotten enough appreciation in the market that we were able to have presumed equity, enough presumed equity to refinance into a conventional loan product. Yeah, yeah. And so our, our fixed costs dropped to $1,100 a month to live there. And yeah. the rent on the first floor was up at uh, $750, maybe even $800 after a year. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, now our kick-in was only four hundred dollars a month. Yeah, you know, which was just great. It just, it just gets better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. And then uh, what so, it allowed us yeah. to do was we mm -hmm. we rinsed, lathered, and repeated that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the, just in, in passing before before we move on, uh, when you yeah. move out, if you have owner occupant financing on on a house hack, there is no obligation to refinance into a, an investor loan, which are more. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah anything like that yeah you're not yeah. obliged to stay in it now you're obliged to actually reside there at some point you can't pretend that you're going to live somewhere and yeah. then not live there you have to do it but so when we moved out we didn't need to refinance or change any of the loan you know product and we had really low three percent interest and we yeah. had a 30 year fixed uh term on the mortgage which is that's great money yeah yeah that was very good and then it also freed us up to use an, another owner-occupant product, loan product, to buy our next place and to do the same thing and sort of rinse, lather, and repeat. Yeah. So that was, that's, the, that's the low down payment way to do it. Yeah. Uh, as you get into the bigger stuff, uh, the methods change. And at this point, we live in a house that we don't want to move out of. And my kids are happy. Yeah. Schools that they're, we have four daughters at this point, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a Congratulations. Five Thank you. Thank you. 
I finally have my own bathroom and bedroom. Well, it's not true. I share with my <laughs> wife, but, uh, but everybody has their own bedroom. So it's a you know, nice. in the school district where I want them to be. Yeah, it does change. But let me tell you about the next echelon up for building. Yeah. A well, let's let before we go there, let's talk about kind of like the, the mind shift as well, because I think that's that's very important. I mean, so, yeah, people are going to listen to you and I and stuff like that and how we we kind of jumped into it and we, we did this. But there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of uh, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe I should wait until the market drops and then buy or that kind of stuff. So what do you, what do you say to these, uh, these individuals? Uh, well, the first thing I would say is uh, it's, it isn't for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Um, it can be for anybody, but it, by definition, it isn't for everybody. Um, it's just, some people aren't built for it. For some people, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'll give you an example. My sister and her husband, uh, they spent the last uh, seven years, eight years, seven years, going to medical school and then doing uh, emergency uh, room uh, residency. Okay, and uh, during that time, my brother-in-law, he's a fairly astute investor. Yeah. They bought as their primary residence a, a flip, uh, a house that had already been flipped. Mm -hmm. And if you're an investor, you, you realize going into that, ah, that means there's no meat, <laughs> there's no meat left on the bone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, you know, I went to him and I said, why, you know, why would you do this? There's, you're not going to ha have the equity appreciation from it. And his response was, well, Bryce, I spent the, you know, four, uh, the, uh, four of the last years, they, they did this at the end of medical school and the beginning of residency. Yeah. And he said, I, you know, I spent lots of hundreds of thousands of dollars on med school tuition. And now I need to be a very good resident so I can have a, a large payday at the end of my residency and get a contract with a, a hospital system. He mm -hmm. said, so my best return on investment right now is to come home to a, a house that's already finished, that doesn't need a lot of work from me, where my kids are not living in a war zone, where my wife feels comfortable. And, yeah. you know, as I thought about it, that's absolutely true for them. Mm. The best investment was uh, something that was already finished because he has a very high, high yield uh, job mm. where he was going to get paid a lot of money. And so for him, yeah. that was the best investment. Yeah. yeah. On when, after they're situated and his debts paid off, maybe he comes back to me for syndication yeah. and starts, uh, you know, giving me money to, to put into investments. But I agree with their, their pursuit of, you know, just uh, settling mm -hmm. down. And, yeah. And I think also uh, temperament as well. I think people, um, I mean, we, we sell turnkey rentals to investors who want to build a, a passive income portfolio. And, uh, and some of them, they're not, I mean, we, this property management that uh, takes care of everything and all of that. So it's really truly turnkey. And uh, some of our, these investors, they are they're nervous sometimes about the, the report that they're getting from the, the property management company and about, about silly things that to, to me are silly things is like, Oh, how come it, it, it costs like $25 to change uh, the a light switch and stuff like that. I can get one at, uh, at uh, home Depot for the, a dollar. And uh, I said, well, you know, so the, 
the guy has to go and put his pants on and go in his truck and go to Home Depot and wait in line and buy the $1 switch and then drives to your house and he has to do that. And it's yeah. just like that. And then he goes back home and stuff like that. So that's what you're paying $25 yeah. instead of $1. But I mean, the, the idea is that as, a, as an investor, when you're building your passive income portfolio, you have to think that your job is not to, because some people, they want to do their own property management. So they want to go out there. And I don't know if you have your own property management or if you do it yourself, but, um, but to me, it's better to spend your time on building a, a solid passive income portfolio and then looking at, at the big pictures instead of getting the phone call and then getting to fix the light switch uh, on a Saturday when you could do something else. Yeah, well, and what you're—I I agree with you. I'll answer your questions. Uh, one, twenty-five dollars is cheap uh, to get someone who knows electrical to change a light switch because uh, it, when you change a light switch, you got to turn off the circuit breaker in the box. Uh, if you're just changing a light fixture, sometimes all you have to do is turn off the switch and then go change the fixture. But uh, you know, a light switch can be complicated, and if it's a three-way yeah. light switch, that's even more complicated. So, yeah, yeah. I've done it. I've done it all myself. <laughs> yeah, I tried to do it once too. <laughs> um, to answer your second question about myself, I currently self-manage my portfolio. The mm. reasons for that is because my, my home market is a, still a very good market. And I own uh, my 38, 36 of my 38 units are basically within all within one quarter mile of each other. And they're all in a nice historic uh, downtown and so uh, it's very easy to manage that portfolio myself. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm local. I live two miles away from my portfolio. Yeah. So management has been easy for me. And that's been a good way for me to preserve some of my cash flow. Mm -hmm. But I will say, you're right. The, you're, the North Star or the destination should be 100% passive investing where mm -hmm. you're paying property management. I can't tell you. It's sometimes uh, I get those calls in the middle of the night or yeah. I'm dealing with all that stuff. And I really, I, in my own life, I'm at a crossroads where I need to decide, do I want to become a busier and busier landlord as I add more units, which that's what happens. The more tenants you have, the busier you get, the more phone calls there are, the more things break, yeah. the more roofs, the more gutters, the more sinks, toilets. Yeah. Is that what I want? Or do I want to work on uh, becoming a better investor mm -hmm. who simply allocates funds and who is able to, because if, if you're 100% passive, then there's no ceiling to the return on your time. Yeah. Every time you're investing in a, let's say a syndication or something like that, um, or even if it's something just that's actively managed, as long as you get it established and stabilized, you can move on and leave someone in charge who you trust or ideally mm -hmm. who has skin in the game in yeah. the profit, profit side yeah. and then move on and do it and just keep duplicating it without it eating up more and more of your time. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the position now where I have to think, okay, if I'm going to move to the next level, I really don't want to add chores to my, to my, exactly. my list. Exactly. And a lot of the people that I work with do they, I mean, you don't have a W2 jobs right now, but a lot of the people that we're working with, they have a full-time job and, you know, and 
you know, that's why I'm saying yeah, get property management in place. Like if you really enjoyed doing the repairs and, and doing all of that and you're, you're handy, then yeah, you, you can take, take, I mean, you're going to make more money doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's not going to be as passive as uh, having a property management. Yeah. So when you you don't have your full time job, then if you want to do uh, the main the the property management yourself, I mean this is this is an option, but sure. that's, that's changing one job for another, in my opinion. It is no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is, uh, and you can do some things to to let it go. For instance, I have a a, a maintenance man who lives. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a bookkeeper. I have a CPA that does my uh, taxes. And yeah. My wife uh, runs a lot of the back end for leasing. You know, we have oh, design, we have digital rent collection, we have, so there are ways to streamline it. But at the end of the day, it's, you still are adding to your time load and yeah. eventually you'll, you'll hit a ceiling where you just can't add any more chores and you're yeah, exactly. another. Yeah. Once you get into the uh, hundred units and stuff like that, then it gets a little bit more challenging. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm one of those people who's looking at you know, anything I add from this point on, it either will be a flip or um, you know I would consider maybe something very geographically close to what I already own. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't want I, it has to be passive. Yeah, yeah. You know? so. Very good. Yeah, and then so the uh, tell me a little bit more about working as a couple because I think this is some this is a, something that's very challenging. A lot of people they kind of like they're sold on you know, oh, this is what I need to do. This is what we need to do. And then, but then they have to work with their husband or they have to work with their wife and then convince them that it, this is the way to go for us to, to retire, retire early maybe, but at least retire and have a, a chance of, uh, of retiring. Because right now, even that, the, the uh, retiring at 65 is not even something that, uh, that's a given for most people. Right. It's increasingly hard. I'll say a yeah. couple of things. Uh, one is this. When I was looking at making the jump from W-2 to um, being a full-time real estate investor, you remember I told you that I took the idea to my wife of uh, going to that first duplex and her response yep. was, are you crazy? You know, yep. that you're already... So I'll say this, the number one thing is um, if you have a dream or a vision of growing into something different and mm -hmm. becoming, let's say, a full-time investor or, um, or quitting your W-2, I think that's a noble dream. I think it's a good uh, desire to have. And when, when you first hatch it, maybe you write it down somewhere, it's like a fledgling bird, okay? and a lot of times when you've got that fledgling bird, it can be very easily uh, injured or stepped mm -hmm. on or squashed or, uh, you know, by even by people who maybe are not, who love you or who care about you or who are close to you, parents, relatives, friends, uh, your significant other. So the first thing I would say is this, uh, keep your dreams private uh, at first. Uh, it's your dream. Uh, sometimes it, it, uh, on the first go around, it doesn't come out fully formed. It, yeah. it, it's not intelligible or anything. And sometimes you have to write it out a number of times before it, it even coalesces in your own brain. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that the first step is get clear on what it is that you want 
before you start to try to proselytize uh, your significant other and uh, convince them to come on board. Because uh, that's what I'm doing wrong. Change it a little. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm serious. Get it. You know, write down what you want. And, and yeah. so this is you know, where I want to go. And this is the best way I can see forward with it. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say the other, the other end of it is this. That's a lot. We desire um, confirmation as humans, mm-hmm. right? We have an idea and we want someone to tell us that's a good idea or to steer us away from danger. And so we're constantly looking for confirmation from experts, from the universe, from God, from our friends, from people who are experienced, more experienced than we are. Okay, your significant other, they're not God. You know, that's a lot of weight uh, to put on their shoulders that your dreams are now suddenly their responsibility. And they may not be built to handle what you're throwing at them. And, and so they may either give you a bad answer or you may overburden them with your worries, with your hesitations, with all that kind of stuff. So in some yeah. ways, uh, in some ways you want to protect your own dream, yeah. nourish it, get some outside, some expert testimony, but in other ways you want to be um, uh, merciful to your significant other that you don't immediately burden them with every little squirrel that you're chasing. <laughs> yeah, you know, your yeah. dream. Yeah. Well, with my wife, you know, it took it was progressive for her to be on board, and it took me taking little steps and demonstrating that I that we could be successful with some of the little steps first. Yeah. Before she was willing to jump on to the you know bandwagon of it being yeah, yeah. full time. So those well, are the first two things I would say. Yeah. Well, that's very good advice. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, great conversation. I think this was fantastic. Again, uh, in the in the notes for the show, I'm going to give all the information on how you can reach uh, Bryce Stewart. Uh, also, the link to his book on Amazon, House Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, Bryce, thank you very much. Great conversation. Talk to you later. Absolutely. Eric, before we go, I want to yep. give your listeners three quick tools. Okay. Go ahead. One is this. I think you should definitely uh, buy and read the book, uh, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. It's okay. a terrific book uh, dealing with uh, building a business or building an investment portfolio and leveraging that for financial and time freedom or early retirement. Okay. Um, you should also buy my book if you're in a spot where you can do uh, house hacking, where it makes sense, uh, called House yeah. Hacking Night of the Galaxy. And then the third tool I want to throw, actually, I'll throw out four. The third tool is this. You need a budgeting uh, app or software. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I use uh, one that's called You Need a Budget or YNAB. Yeah. Uh, and it has allowed us to budget our household income. Because if you're not careful with your household income, then everything you're making from your investments will just go right out the door and you won't be profitable uh, or hang on to anything that you've made. So YNAB is a great tool. There's other ones too, but YNAB is honestly, I think it's the best. Okay. And then last thing I'll say is this, there's a website called Mr. Money Mustache. It's a blog mm-hmm. uh, written by a guy who retired at age 30 and he did it entirely through uh, low cost index funds, which I think is a great way to have safe, reliable, predictable income um, and it should be part of a, I think, a, a mixed portfolio for investors and for early retirees. But he explains that on his blog, and I found it to be 
extremely helpful. And he breaks down a lot of stuff like you did, where he you know, talks about, does it make sense to buy in the market where I live? Or is it a better investment to rent and allocate my you know, funds somewhere else? So those are mm -hmm. some tools that your listeners would benefit from. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Bryce. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.